Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hey, thanks for uh, catching up with us this weekend here at The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. An encore show for you being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. From 08, a great interview that we had with Mark Deswan Aarons, Effective Brands. He's the founder and CEO of that company. And even cooler, he's from Woodstock, New York. Wonder if he was there back in '69. <laughs> Let's listen to the interview along with you, and hope you enjoy it. This is the advertising show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and out of Woodstock, New York, this weekend, Mark Deswan Aarons, founder and chairman of Effective Brands. Mark, welcome to the advertising show. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Mark, let's, uh, we call this the shameless plug portion of the show. We always allow our guests, uh, not always, but we often, someone of your stature and, and your background, would like to share with our audience a little background on your company, uh, uh, Effective Brands, founded in 2001. I, I'm curious, did you ever envision the amount of global success that your company has uh, acquired in the past seven years? Was this always a part of your plan? Well, obviously, when you start something like this, you don't... Uh you don't do it without projecting a little bit forward, but at the same time, you realize that it's uh, it's partly dream, partly projection. Um, we we started the company because uh, we ourselves, and I'm one of the co-founders, by the way. Uh, we ourselves were in, in, in global roles, and and what we realized was that actually a lot of marketers, because of the globalization uh, on the, on the consumer side and in corporate side, a lot of marketeers were being thrust into global marketing roles, but actually when I tur- turned into that role, I realized that there wasn't a book to read. In fact, we're writing it called The Global Brand CEO. There wasn't a, a council to join to learn how to play this role well, and, uh, and there wasn't a consultancy to, uh, to actually help me be good in this role. And so after a little bit of discussions and, uh, and, and some, some realization that this is definitely where things are going, we decided to create the company, and that was the uh, the foundation of uh, Effective Brands in 2001. And I think uh, it's certainly unusual, and you just pointed it out yourself, that uh, some people like yourself and your your co-founders and associates would transition from the client side and, and bring that experience to a consultancy that, that now uh, engages, I guess, with the, the same people that you and your associates once were. How, uh, how is that different than, I'm sure you had consultants working with you when you were uh, on the client side of the of the desk, so to speak. How, how do you and your firm, how does you and your firm approach business differently than how you experienced it as a brand manager? Well, you know, the, the huge difference, and I, I, I have to go through this uh, story quite a lot because, um, because we're growing so much, we're obviously recruiting quite a lot as well. And so it's very often the conversation because most of our uh, directors are straight from the client side. And uh, we've decided that uh, although uh, consulting, of course, is a hugely important background, actually uh, we add most value when we can look our clients, usually a, a VP or a CMO, into the eyes and in their eyes and say, look, we've been here. We know what this is like. 
and and we decided that it is our role as uh, the other partners of the company to very quickly teach someone, and we obviously look for the traits, but to teach someone the skill of consulting and of trusted advisorship. But what you can't teach someone is 18 years of experience, and that's the average that our directors have in terms of client-side experience. But the, the, the huge argument that I find actually gets people to switch, because it was for me too, was that at some point, you know, you're, you're 40, 42, and, uh, and several, separate, several things happen. The first is that you're probably going through a phase in your life where you're beginning to think about, is this it? Is this what I want to do the rest of my life? Do I want my gravestone literally to say, I sold a lot of shampoo? Um, hmm. That's that aspect. Uh, the other part is that you're working incredibly long hours. Typically, if you're in a global role, you're flying all over the world in a phase that actually your family life is blossoming and you're probably supposed to be somewhere else. And, and finally, um, you're, you're working a lot of hours, but actually you're not building something that uh, you feel is, is, is becoming bigger every time. In fact, my litmus test is what percentage of my time am I doing things that I think are constructing new value and what percentage of my time am I actually repeating things because other people in the company um, don't want to do this or don't want to yet agree that this is, this, this is locked down and we now know this and we don't need to reinvent it. And what I found that after 15 years myself that the, it was out of whack. I was doing 80% in the non-added value stuff and only 20% at most in the stuff where I really felt I was driving new value. Mm. And so mm. that's the typical question I ask a director that's considering making the jump to the consulting side because one thing I can always say is that because you have the, you know, the, the enormous gift of being able to work on several projects and you're always working at a very senior level at very diverse projects, you, every minute you're with the client, you're adding value. You're really helping them step out of the important and not urgent and think about the very important but perhaps not urgent. And that is the, the, the special space. That's where consultants, I think, have to add value. And when you have a, a day where maybe you had three different meetings and all of them were in that space with different clients, where like whether it was Smirnoff one moment and Cadbury's another moment and maybe Surf, the Unilever brand, uh, a few hours later, you know you've added a lot of value. And that's an enormously uh, satisfying feeling. Well, you know, I would encourage all of our listeners to check out EffectiveBrands.com. If Mark sounds like a smart guy, uh, when you see their site, uh, Dove, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Unilever, yeah, Grolsch, yeah. Calvin Klein, Mars, many uh, well-known worldwide brands that uh, are very recognizable. Let's talk a little bit, of Mark, on the time that we have left. About yeah, about a minute here is what we have. Yeah. About a minute. Uh, yeah. Leading brands, uh, leading global brands learning project. You're, you're spearheading the effort off of. Can you tell us very briefly about what that project's all about? Yeah, well, that very, very briefly was a recognition that once we've identified the niche of global marketing, we also had to be very honest and, 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 say, and admit to ourselves that we didn't know a hell of a lot more than anyone else. <laughs> so we created the learning project. It was brilliant advice by somebody, and this started now almost eight years ago. And we went to the leaders of big global brands. The first were acquaintances and then slowly word of mouth starting running around where we said, listen, our hunch is that you also don't know how to do this well. You're making it up as you go along. How about you tell us what worked for you and what didn't? And we have that information anonymously. We're going to talk to other colleagues. And at some point in the next few months, we're going to come back to you and tell you what we've learned across all brands. And that 
snowballed from 5 to 25 to now over 125 global brands that have participated in this work. And we have not only about 1,250 directors and more senior that have been interviewed in depth, but we also have almost 14,000 global marketeers that have participated in our online uh, quantitative survey. So we really do know now what it is that you need to be focusing on to lead a brand effectively as you go global. Our special guest here on the Advertising Show, Mark Deswan Aarons out of Woodstock, New York, uh, EffectiveBrands.com, co-founder and chairman of Effective Brands. We've got uh, more time to discuss. We know you like what you hear because you're here at theadvertisingshow.com. So stay right here. This is The Advertising Show. I love her. I feel like it's a breeze. On The Advertising Show this day, it is a very special guest with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, Marcus Juan Aarons. Founder and, or co-founder, I should say, and chairman of Effective Brands out of Woodstock, uh, taking some time off this weekend and enjoying the, what I said before was the first child. This is baby number three, so congratulations on that, Mark. That's right. Thank you very much. The first daughter, though, so it's a very special one. Oh, yeah. Well, it's great to have you here. Thanks for being part of the Ad Show. Keep that shotgun handy, by the way, as she she goes older there, uh, Mark. By the way, uh, just to wrap up on leading global brands learning project, where can our listeners find out more information about that? Well, uh, on our website, uh, effectivebrands.com, we have um, in the About Us session, we have a, a whole a section that has um, uh, copies and downloadable, of course, of uh, newsletters that we give out. And the Leading Global Brands uh, Bulletin, as it's called, is now, I think, in its um, 12th uh, version. And uh, what we do is we feature our clients and literally look at how they have progressed as they went global. The most recent one was about uh, GlaxoSmithKline Beecham, uh, GSK. They, uh, they created a, a global group, at least one with, uh, with teeth and real power, about three years ago. And they, they brought us in about two years ago to help them do an assessment of what was going well and, and where the real opportunities for, for accelerating growth were as they went global. And uh, uh, we helped them by first assessing with, with uh, one of our tools that we call a pulse check and very clearly identifying where to then excel and then help them implement some of those uh, recommendations. And uh, very typically, our clients then have additional uh, pulse checks. They do them once a year. And the nice thing is then you can really see the needle move quantitatively uh, in terms of how a global group is helping each of the countries um, drive their, their success at a local market level. Because one of our mantras is there is no such thing as global marketing, or at least successful global marketing, if it isn't successful in the top five markets that drive 70% of your growth. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit, uh, referring to an article that you wrote for Advertising Age, which is how we came to know you. And by the way, if you're interested, check out any of the CMO uh, articles at adage.com, written back uh, or submitted, I guess, back in uh, May of this past summer. You're quoted as saying the winner, uh, the winning leadership mindset is one that looks beyond focused on insights and communication, but focusing only on those elements won't get you far enough today in a competitive global economy. I'm curious, Mark, when did things change for today's global brand managers and what led up to the change? Well, I mean, obviously, I think all of us, uh, you, you guys mentioned the Olympics a little bit. I think 
the way uh, we experience these Olympics compared to the Olympics four years ago, compared to the Olympics four years again before that, just shows how the world is globalizing. Uh, all of these events, and, and in fact, as a sort of European uh, in my background, uh, for me, the litmus test is how Americans now look at soccer and the World Cup when that takes place, and even the European Cup. You see that consumers, and, and in fact, we did a big project for Calvin Klein, and um, one of the things you see is that consumers in the big ten capitals around the world are more alike, if you look at youth, for example, than uh, the people that are half an hour's drive away from them from Shanghai, Paris, or London. So there is definitely, although we will always, I'm sure, have uh, cultural and huge cultural differences, there is at the same time big consumer groups that are becoming more, more harmonious, uh, driven by global media and global brands. And of course, that's a little bit of a chicken or an egg. That has led to uh, companies looking at that and saying, okay, there's, you know, there's really a very clear choice. Either you are the local alternative, and I always think of uh, uh, Stony Brook or Runny Brook milk, uh, upstate New York, glass bottles, fresh cream, not homogenized. You know, it's, that, that's a very clear positioning, and, and every city can have one or two of those. But it's that, or it has to be you're the brand that's the most innovative, and the way and the only way that you can now afford to be the most innovative is if you're going global, because the cost of innovation is just rocketing if you think about what Gillette spends every time they relaunch their their uh, their razor blades it, it, it's staggering and the time that you have to then get payback on that is decreasing um, literally by half it's 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 worse than memory chips and their upgradation uh, because there are now so many people out there and again we're talking about China now who are able to um, back engineer uh, what your innovation is and copy it and perhaps even do it cheaper because they don't have some of the traditional manufacturing plants that you have with high labor costs. So they're able to, uh, within six months, if you like, get an innovation in the market. So the days that you, you launched something in France and tried it out and played a little bit with it and then rolled it out into the rest of Europe and then made it to America, those are over. If you have a big innovation, you need to get it out there pretty damn quick. And that means that these organizations are all looking at how do we do things more the same without being stupid and, and you know, and shoving things down people's throats which they don't want. Our uh, special guest here in the Advertising Show is Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, the market. This one, Aaron's co-founder and chairman of Effective Brands, EffectiveBrands.com. We've got more in a minute. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. My complexion's so bad, I hate to go out. Don't be a square. Try Ting, the faster way to clear up pimples. Yes, doctors have... It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here on The Advertising Show with a global traveler who has uh, settled down this weekend in Woodstock, uh, New York, Mark Swan Aarons, co-founder and chairman of Effective Brands. Mark, it is such a pleasure to have you here on The Advertising Show. Welcome. Thank you. It's mutual. 
You know, the uh, CMO strategy article I mentioned earlier in Advertising Age that you wrote, a uh, great article, has some really good examples of what, uh, well, some examples that are near and dear to your heart, I know, because, Mark, you were through either your time at Unilever or now currently with Effective Brands have been involved with uh, with uh, many of the, of the uh, examples that you mentioned in the article. Let's talk a little bit. Let's give some how-to uh, for our listeners today. Talk about some of the drivers of global brand effectiveness. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good that we touch upon that because when we did this leading global brands uh, study, uh, you know, after you've done 10 interviews, things start to float to the top. After you've done 25, you really know what's, what's clicking in the, in, the, in the most successful examples. And, and, and what we noticed was that all of these people are good marketeers. A company doesn't allow you to lead one of their global brands if you're not good at the basic block and tackling of what we call the what of marketing, the, the positioning, the innovation, the communication, and sometimes even the activation guidelines to countries, if you like. But what we noticed is that the most successful global brand leaders had a parallel track. And indeed, that's what we call the drivers of effective global marketing. And they were about establishing very, very close connections with the key country stakeholders across the marketing organization. So that's an internal focus where these leaders made damn sure that there was a spirit of interdependence between any global marketeer sitting in some office somewhere in headquarters and the key marketeers in key countries. Because what you want to have people say about each other is that those local marketeers are fighting today's battles and that when you ask them what the global team does, is they, well, they, they give me experiences and best practices from other countries that have tried this and, and save me, uh, you know, the, the give me shortcuts and, and, and ways to do things cheaper and better quicker. But at the same time, they're working on the stuff I need next year, the important but not urgent. And that's a real spirit of interdependence. And so what you need for that is a real connection. You need people to feel that the global team understands what's going on in their market. And, and, and we actually talk about a spirit of uh, servant leadership. Global marketeers need to set the direction. They need to be non-negotiable about that. You can't change the positioning of Tide. You can't change the color of the packaging. But at the same time, they need to have a servant quality to them that when you ask the key marketers in countries what's going on, they say, well, they're working for me. They're helping me be successful in the U.S. or Germany or France, whatever the key countries are. That spirit of connection is important. The next thing is about inspiration. We saw that all of these brand leaders went out of their way to make sure that marketeers across whatever level of the organization and also the people in other disciplines like R&D and sales and supply chain even were, were inspired to work for this brand. GSK is a lovely one. They have an, a smoking cessation group. Those people think, and I think that they're right, that they are saving lives. And the inspiration to work on those brands is incredible. Dove, with its real beauty, has people on the brand that won't move to other groups. And that kind of work, really uh, inspiring around the brand, wins you this, what we call the shower time or the traffic uh, time, where people are thinking still about how to make the brand grow. So it's about connection, inspiration, and then absolute focus, which is the third driver, which gets everybody aligned on, okay, we have a lot of things to do, but which are the three most important? If you don't get those played back the same way across the organization, you know you have a problem. And then the fourth being the biggest counterintuitive learning for us, which is about roles and responsibilities. We thought the most motivated marketeers would be the ones with the biggest responsibilities, and often 
within globalization, you see those roles being limited at local level. Actually, it's about clarity of responsibility, not the breadth of responsibility. So uh, roles and responsibility being the fourth driver there. And the fifth and final one, which we call build, which is about continuously looking for learning where you get it right and then immediately turning that on on a dime and getting it out there, getting it to all other countries in a spirited way that doesn't feel like you're shoving something down their throat, but says they got it right there. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's do it. Adapt it if you need to, but don't if you don't. And only then do you have an effective global brand. Very good. Unfortunately, Mark, we are out of time. Congratulations on a a very successful career and also a lot of insightful thinking into the world of uh, advertising and marketing. Continued success, EffectiveBrands.com, and we thank you for being here today. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. The Advertising Show. Hope you enjoyed today's Encore interview with Mark Swan Aarons, chairman of Effective Brands. You can always find out more by going to their uh, website. Advertising show powered by a platform called Tendency. It is cool. It's all about web marketing, and that's what uh, Shipple is all about. Shipple Web Marketing, it's S-C-H-I-P-U-L. Shipple.com is the place to go for that. We thank uh, the crew over there for taking care. Good care, the advertising show for all these years. Advertising show is also brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adh.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we'll talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.